Good morning, Grace Assembly. I'm glad to be able to join you on this beautiful spring morning. I pray that during this particular time, as I'm looking out at an empty sanctuary, I trust that you are having a time where you can put away the inundation of the news, all of the things that are going on around you, maybe take your Bible, sit down with a cup of coffee, and just if you would just engage for a few minutes in the worship and the Word. I believe that there are aspects of our spiritual nature that need to be fed, and just as people have rushed to the grocery stores to make sure that they've got enough food, we as believers need the opportunity to really just engage in the fresh bread of the Word of God, especially right now when it seems as if we're challenged on so many different levels. For those of you that have been just joining us for the last few weeks, we have been involved in a series in our church. It's called Benchmarks of Faith, where we have begun to recognize that there is a behavior and a mindset and a thought process and attitudes that belong to the follower of Jesus Christ. And we've looked at different aspects of our life and marriage and things that we should be going through with an understanding that when we have Christ as our Savior, there are benchmarks of faith that we desire to attain in ways that can let people around us know that there's something different about our life because of who indwells us. And while we are passionately pursuing holiness, our desire is that there would be a pattern of growth within our life we who call ourselves children of God, that there should be something about us that continues steps of growth in our life from the beginning stages of coming to know the Lord to where we are today. Many of you recognize, especially those of you that are parents, when you took your children after they were born to the doctor and you knew that there were thresholds of behavioral and communication that they needed to reach in a certain time frame, and that if they didn't do that, the doctor would say they are failing to thrive. I believe that we as Christ followers are tempted sometimes to be satisfied with having salvation as our goal, just want to be saved, rather than understanding that salvation is merely an introduction to a life of pursuing the heart and likeness of Jesus Christ in the way that we speak and act and behave around people and pursue God's heart. Today's topic is not an easy topic, but it is one that is particularly applicable to everything that we're going through today. And that is, how do we please God in the middle of times of suffering? How do we please God when we are suffering? There's a passage of Scripture, and for those of you that have your Bibles next to you, I'm going to ask that you would grab them and turn to 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5. There's really 11 verses in there that I'm going to discuss, but I want to read to you these particular verses. And the Scripture says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion, and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in our troubles, so that we can comfort those in any trouble with the comfort we ourselves have received from God. Heavenly Father, as we approach your word today, we do so with an understanding that it's only with the help of your Holy Spirit that we can fully grasp all the truth of your word. And I pray for those who are regulars at Grace Assembly and the friends that they may have invited with them today that are watching us and that are gathering this information, I pray that you would minister to them. We don't have to be together because you are an omnipresent God, meaning that you are exactly in the presence of everybody that is listening right now and watching right now. So Lord, I pray that you would do your work as we study your word. In Jesus' name, amen. There's a book that I own called Made for His Pleasure in which Alistair Begg, who's the author, tells a story of when he was a 20-year-old in college. He said one particular morning there was a sharp knock on his dorm door and the voice that he heard through the door was of his college dean. 
Rather surprised that he would be awakened by the voice of his dean, he says, I began to realize I had better get to the door and open it quickly. And he says, as I went to the door, I recognized I wish I had dressed better and I wish that my head was in a better spot than it is when you first wake up. But opened the door and the dean walked into his room, looked at his roommate and said, I'm going to ask that you would please leave and give us the room. The dean sat down with him, pulled up a chair and said, Alistair, I've had your father on the phone this morning. Last evening, your mother took ill. And Alistair, I am sorry to tell you this, but your mother passed away. He said, nothing in my 20 years of life had prepared him for the simultaneous sense of pain and fear and loss and anger and panic and emptiness that engulfed him at that moment. Apparently, while his mother was baking for an upcoming home Bible study, she had suffered a major heart attack, and in an instant, her journey in time stopped. He said, I begin to have to understand how am I going to navigate everything that I'm feeling without doubting the love of God in my life? How do I go on with this understanding of purpose that God is with us and loves us when I am in such a state of grief and sadness and suffering? And as I am speaking to you this morning, I recognize that most of you have experienced events in your life that have caused you sadness, that have caused you pressure and stress and anxiety. None of us are exempt from having these things take place in our life. In fact, it is not lost on me that as of this very moment, you are sequestered in your homes in an attempt to stall the spread of a deadly virus that's attacking our world. We didn't see this coming a few days ago. Our fellowship with one another is being impacted. I'm looking at an empty sanctuary wishing that I could hug you and greet you as we normally do, but recognizing that because of the things of our world right now, our reality has changed. The economy is being impacted. Families and jobs are in places of uncertainty, and we don't even know how long any of this will last. And the scripture passage for today in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, is really a part of 11 verses that talk to us about the very things that we're going through in this life. There's a word that's central to those 11 verses. It's really central to the whole book of 2 Corinthians, but it's especially uh, mentioned particularly here. It's the Greek word thlipsis. It's a word that's used four times in these verses. Twice it's used as the word troubles. It's used again in a verb form in verse 6. It's used as the word distressed in another verse. And in verse 8, it is translated as hardships. There's a major teaching that is loose in the church as a whole today, which tells us that no Christian should ever have troubles. Or if we are in trouble, or if there are things that are pressing in on us, it's a result of sin or a lack of faith within our life or that God will automatically remove all of our troubles if we will just exercise the right amount of faith. And we all wish that this were true. But Paul's teaching in 2 Corinthians yields a fatal blow to that point of view. Philipsis, which means troubles and tensions and stress and hardship and suffering, is part of the Christian life. In fact, the word occurs 44 times in the New Testament as a noun and 10 times as a verb, 54 times in all. And of those 54 times, almost all of them are exclusively used to describe an experience that Christians are passing through. 
So what help does God have for those who are under pressure? What help does God have for you today when so much of our world seems to be in an uproar and we don't know what's going to happen? I believe these first 11 verses of 2 Corinthians tells us three things that God has to offer to help us when we are in places of tension and suffering and the unknown. First of all, God brings us encouragement in our suffering. In 2 Corinthians 1, 3 and 4, it says, Praise be to God and Father of the Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of compassion and the God of all comfort, who comforts us or encourages us in all of our troubles. Often when we are down, when we are in the middle of stressful situations, and when we are in the middle of sorrowful times, our view of God changes. We say, Lord, why are you letting this happen to me? Or are you angry with me? Why are you silent, Lord? Why is this disaster befalling us? We change our view of God in moments like that because the experience happening to us is a painful experience. It's a pressurized experience. It's important, therefore, in our life to learn to distinguish between the subjective feeling and the objective reality. Paul here points us to the objective reality of God. The thing that's true here about God, whether or not at the moment we may be feeling it, is that he is the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I just remind you that God is a wonderful Father. He's full of compassion. He's the God of all comfort. Whatever it is that you need, whatever it is that you're going through, God has the ability to comfort you and strengthen you and help you. The word that we translate as comfort here is a word that is used ten times in five verses, which means that we have a God that understands that we are desperately in need of his comfort. It literally means one that is called alongside to help. The Holy Spirit himself is the comforter. Jesus is the comforter. He is the one called alongside to help us. There's a tremendous difference between one simply called alongside and one who comes alongside to help. If you're stuck in the freeway and somebody simply, somebody simply pulls up beside you and rolls down the window and says, hey, what's wrong with your car, but doesn't do anything about it, they may have come alongside, but they certainly were no help. The comforter is not the one who simply puts his hand on your shoulder and says, man, I'm sorry that this is happening to you, and then drives off leaving you to handle it yourself. The comforter that the Bible speaks of is the one who comes and offers us assistance. In fact, it literally means that he comes with bravery to give one person the strength to stand. So the scripture tells us that this God of all comfort comes and stands bravely beside us, lifting us and helping us to stand regardless of the circumstances that we may be facing. This is what God does for us. He encourages us. He gives us strength to stand. And when we are in tight places, when we are under pressure, and when we are suffering, he comes alongside bravely holding us and strengthening us. We might ask, well, how does he do this? I think in Romans chapter 8, the entire chapter is just loaded with rich truths of God's word. But between verses 18 and 39, he presents four ways in which God encourages us when we are suffering or when we're hurting. The Lord is telling us 
These four things which he will do that will always bring encouragement to us. And he will always be there to encourage us. The first is Romans 8.18. When the scripture says to us, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. The first comfort that he brings to us is no matter how heavy the load is that you feel that you are carrying, no matter how deep the intensity of the anxiety that you are carrying, the things that you may be facing, the uncertainty that you're going through, no matter how hard it may be, the Lord wants you to keep that in an understanding that ultimately there will be a glory revealed that will make all of this seem as if it was nothing. All of the stress, all of the load, all of the things that we suffer through, God says there's an age to come that will not be able to compare anything that we're going through with the glory that we will see. Secondly, in Romans 8.26, the scripture says, the Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. We do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groans and words that cannot be expressed. The Spirit is praying through us according to the will of God. Now, I know that there are times when we're praying and we're wondering, Lord, is anything that I'm saying is it effective? Is it working? And the Spirit of the Lord wants you to understand in this moment, He's encouraging you by telling you that He is interceding for you. He's always praying through us and for us, His people. He will never leave us alone. Romans 8.28 says this, And we know that in all things... I want you to underline that in your Bible because today it's especially important for you to understand that the word all means different things to different people today than it did just a couple of weeks ago. But in all things, God works for the good of those who love him. He is going to bring out something that will be for your good and his glory. It may not be good in itself, but he's going to cause it to work for the good within our lives. And then fourthly, we need to understand nothing can ever separate us from God. Least of all trouble, least of all stress, least of all uncertainty. Romans 8.35 says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Trouble or hardship? No. In all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. What an encouraging word for us today when we're facing the uncertainty of everything around us that we know we are more than conquerors because nothing can separate us from the love of God. So the Lord encourages us. Jesus himself has sat in our place. He has suffered he knows what it's like to be abandoned, to be betrayed, to be in pain, to be helpless, to be vulnerable, to be scorned, to be isolated. He has sat where we sit. But in light of all of this, we bless the Lord, Paul says. At times like these, we say, praise be unto the name of the Lord our God, who comforts us, not in some of our troubles, but in all of our sufferings. God is our encourager. The second great help in time of stress and suffering is that our suffering produces endurance. Verse 6 says, If we are distressed, it is for your comfort and salvation. If we are comforted, it is for your comfort, which produces in you 
Patient endurance. That word simply means staying power. It is as if you take Romans 5.3 and you realize that adversity produces a staying power in you. It produces an endurance. And that makes character. And character produces hope. It seems as if there's this four-stage process that's going on there. Suffering, endurance, character, and hope. Endurance is being produced in our life through the tough places. I think it's true about endurance that we are not only holding on in those moments when we think, Lord, I'm hanging on with all I've got. I'm, I'm giving it the last bit of energy we've got. But if there was a way that we could see from the heavenly view, it's actually God who's hanging on to us saying, I will not let go of you as long as you put your trust in me. You haven't moved from things. It's the Lord that's been holding you through those. And he will not budge an inch as you put your trust in him. I understand that we do get frightened sometimes in our tough places. There may be some of you right now that are wondering, man, I don't know how we're going to make it. Pastor Doug, if you knew the things that we're facing, if you knew the uncertainties, I mean, we, we have trouble sleeping in out because of everything that's going on. If you're a child of God, then one of the benchmarks of your faith is that you have to understand that God knows what's going on and he has a plan even when you can't see it. So what do we do? Hebrews says to the people who are in stress and trouble and suffering in Hebrews 12 too, looking unto Jesus, the author, in other words, he's the beginner of your faith and the finisher of your faith. He's not going to let you go in the middle of it. He's at work within your life. So look to Jesus in your troubled places and understand that the things that you're going through, the stresses you're feeling, the fears that you're going through, the suffering, it's producing in you an endurance. It's making you stronger in the Lord. And as you look back on this, you will recognize that God did something marvelous in some of the most difficult times of your life because that's when he will meet you and give you strength. I read a story from somebody who had climbed mountains and he said there was a time that he had climbed with a team and got to the top of a mountain and as they got there, there was a helicopter that came and landed. People jumped out of the helicopter and were taking pictures. And he said there's a difference in the appreciation of a view from the top of a mountain between those who climbed the mountain and those who reached it by a helicopter. Those who reach the top by helicopter may get the same view, but they they lack the knowledge of the testing and the resolve that it took to achieve it. Only in cultivating discipline and endurance and patience do we find satisfaction and reward. As a benchmark of faith, we may be a people who know what it's like to be in the presence of trouble, who know what it's like to be in an area of great pressure and suffering. But as we do it and endure it for the glory of God, he forges in us something that no other way could have ever been produced within us. And the third thing that happens is suffering gives us the power to comfort others. We must be careful not to let our hardships and suffering become cul-de-sacs or dead-end streets that are just occurring to us outside of a knowledge of thinking that nobody else knows what I am feeling. Paul says that if we have been suffering, he said, it's for your comfort and salvation. That is, he is letting what happens in his life be of some influence and some value to somebody else. What often happens in our tight places 
is that we want to get into a bed and pull the covers over our head and we want to become the center of everybody's attention and we become very inward in our sufferings and we start to ask questions of, of why me? Why is all this happening to me? And Paul is able to take these tight places, these troubled times, these times of suffering, and instead of this inward kind of focus, he's saying, if this happens in my life, there's got to be people that are going through the same thing that I'm going through, and I can reach them, and I can comfort them. The only way that we can make it successfully through times of suffering and, and times of hardship, times of uncertainty is if we let it transform us so that we, can, we then can in turn serve others. Even in the middle of our hardships, there are people that need to hear you and see you and understand that there's a strength in your life that they don't possess. God can give you comfort and you can speak that to them with the assurance that God can comfort you because he's been comforting me. Paul says, you help us by your prayers. When others are going through deep things, how then do we need to lift them up in prayer? How then do we need to come alongside of them and say, I understand what you're going through because I'm going through the same thing. And when we have been victorious, we can declare the goodness of God and let others know that the Lord will bring them through it. Regarding the way that we pray for other people and even pray for ourselves, there's really only... Two options that we can choose. Number one, we can pray this. Lord, would you change these circumstances? That's probably the first prayer that most of us pray when we're going through tough times. God, would you, would you just change the circumstances so that I don't have to go through this? The second prayer, though, is this. If you do not change the circumstances, then would you work in me so that when I come out of this, I will have a more powerful faith and a deeper walk with you and a deeper trust than I've ever had before? Will you help me, God, get through this troubled time? If you won't change the circumstances, then change me in the circumstances so that my benchmark of faith will be that I have a new endurance that's been created and character has been added to my life because I knew that you were with me through all of it. We have God who encourages us. We have endurance that develops, and we ourselves are given a power to comfort others so that our tight places don't become cul-de-sacs or don't become an oasis for us to feel sorry for ourselves, but that we recognize that we can be used of God even in those times. Nick Vujicic was born into this world without arms or legs. He told his life story on his website, and I would encourage you to look it up. It's www.lifewithoutlimbs.org. Both his mom and his dad, an Australian pastor, felt devastated by their firstborn son's condition. If God is a God of love, they said, then why would he let something like this happen? And especially to committed Christians. But they chose to trust God despite their questions. Nick struggled at school. He tells the story that there were other students that just bullied him. He was constantly rejected. And he said, at that stage in my childhood, he said, I could understand God's love to a point, but I still got hung up on the fact that if God really, really loved me, why did he make me like this? 
He said, I wondered if I'd done something wrong, and I began to feel certain that this must be true. Lord, I don't know what it is, but I must have done something, and that this is the result of that. As he got a little bit older, he said, thoughts of suicide plagued him. Until one day, as a 15-year-old, he read the story in John chapter 9 about the man born blind, but that the works of God should be revealed in him. And he said, it suddenly dawned on me that the works of God can be revealed in me regardless of what it's like for me in life. And so at that moment in time, at a 15-year-old, Nick surrendered his life to Christ. And now as an adult, he's earned a bachelor's degree, and he encourages others as a motivational speaker. He says, due to the emotional struggles that I experienced with bullying and self-esteem and loneliness, he says, God began to instill a passion of sharing my story and sharing my experiences to help others cope with whatever challenge they may have in their lives. Turning my struggles into something that would glorify God and bless others, I finally realized my purpose. The Lord was going to use me to encourage and inspire others to live to their fullest potential and not let anything get in the way of accomplishing their hopes and dreams. God's purpose became clearer to me, and now I'm fully convinced and understand that his glory is revealed as he uses me just the way I am. And even more wonderful, he can use me in ways that he cannot use others that don't know of my experience. So child of God today, I don't know what you're going through. I don't know the pressures. I don't know the stress. But I understand that in the middle of trouble and heartache and suffering, that God can use them to build new benchmarks of faith in your life that changes your thoughts and behaviors. I encourage you that in the middle of all that's going on in our world and in our nation and in Syracuse and in our families, that we not get discouraged that we don't let that nature take over, but that we remain full of the joy of the Lord, understanding that He is our encourager, and that from this we will have a story to tell of the goodness of our God. Would you bow your heads with me as we close in prayer? Our gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you today for your word. We take these moments to lift up in prayer to you. Those who you know most today are going through tough places, it's a constraining place. It's, it's a difficult place. But Lord, how many times in those troubled places have we cried out for you only to find that you were instantly there to comfort us and strengthen us and help us to bravely face the things that are there as you were at work within us. Lord, we would love it if you would just get us out of this dungeon and the, the prison of the experiences that we are in. But Lord, sometimes you send an angel to bring release and other times, Lord, in those difficult places, you simply stand along next to us and say, I will supply you the strength that you need to get through this because I'm building character and endurance into your nature that I'm going to use to touch the lives of others in the future. So Lord, I pray today that you would strengthen us all with hope. And Father, would you heal our world? I pray, oh God, as we heard in the worship today, as we were singing, when you walk in the room, everything changes. So Lord, would you do a healing work? Touch those who are ill today, I pray. And Father, we pray in the name of Jesus that you would eradicate this virus. But Lord, if you're gonna use it, then may your church grow as a result of it as we learn to serve and learn to love 
And we pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.